Okay, open to Psalm 32. Open to Psalm 32. And in Psalm 32, you will find uh, one of the most recognizable psalms in the Bible. It is uh, a psalm of David, so written out of his personal experience. And I just want to summarize um, using an object lesson here what this sermon is about. The Bible sometimes uses colors to describe what God wants to do for you. And so do you know what the Bible says? Though your sins are what? Red, crimson, scarlet, right? They will be what? So it's as simple as colors, right? So Lauren and I, are, uh, we, we bought a fixer-upper, and I'll, I've got a few stories about that to, to share with you. But we were at Home Depot picking out colors, colors this week. And so I went through the whole, because I get to pick the colors for the downstairs. All right. <laughs> Watch out. So I went through the color uh, wall, and I picked out a few colors. But here's the thing. I pick out colors based on the names. So, for example, I like mixed greens. How many of you like, hold up a thumbs up if you like mixed greens. Yeah, all right, I got one thumb up. There's also, how do you like sassy grass? This is sassy grass. I don't know, that could be an accent wall. Uh, there's a uh, little lavender, Ellie's bedroom is going to be downstairs, and uh, she just got home from college, and um, she doesn't know I'm picking out her color yet, but maybe a little eye heart potion, or is it like a lavender? Not sure. Or maybe I'll go with tornado season <laughs> as an ominous warning to her, <laughs> right? Um, maybe a little bit lighter on the blue scale is life force. I like that one, life force. Um, but then you get into the, the reds, right? And in the reds, I found 100 miles per hour. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the bathroom downstairs. And then there's Inferno, <laughs> which is an orange. And I like, this is my favorite name, No More Drama. No More Drama. And uh, then, then one of my favorite is uh, Smiley Face. Smiley Face. I'm thinking of just painting the basement and the floor. Smiley Face. What do you think? Now, here's the color lesson in the Bible, okay? Here's the color lesson. Um, though, though your sins are this, right? This is, this is like your sin. It's like bright. It's, you know, though your sins are, are this, uh, God wants to make them this. Your sins are this. God wants to make them this. And when that happens, you become a forgiven person. This psalm is a song written by a forgiven person to people who need to be forgiven. In fact, it's written by a person who knew he needed forgiveness when he was in his sin, and he's writing to people who also know that when they sin, they need to be forgiven. It's really as simple as this. This is what the whole psalm, the whole song is, is all about. And when you are forgiven, guess what happens? Smiley face. <laughs> Smiley face. That in, in colors, in colors, it's as simple as that. So let's look at Psalm 32, verse 1. It says, uh, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up, as by the heat of summer, Selah. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin, Selah. Here's the first thing you can write down. Are you joyfully forgiven 
Because David is really excited. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. He's, he's like really excited about this. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Are you joyfully forgiven? Are, are you in the category of this blessed person? This, it's, it's beyond happy. This joyful person, according to the Hebrew word, who has been forgiven of all of your sins. Is that you? Has, has God done that for you? And are you experiencing the release of joy that comes with being forgiven? Are you joyfully forgiven? This answers the question, who is acceptable in God's presence? Who gets to go to heaven? Who gets to come near to God? Answer, forgiven people. Not religious people, not charitable people, not helpful people, not kind people, uh, not social people, forgiven people. Are you a forgiven person? Are you a joyfully forgiven person? This is called the gospel, the good news. In Romans 6.23, it says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a gift. It's a gift given to you. It says in Ephesians 2.8, By grace you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not by works. You don't perform. You don't show off. You don't do a lot of this and that. And God's finally like, all right, you made it. No. He's not adding up your score to give you a favorable GPA. Do you know in God's grade book, we're all getting a goose egg. And then he shows up and offers to forgive it, to forgive all of it. Wow. Are you joyfully forgiven by grace? Do you have that joy in your heart knowing that God has forgiven you? The words here give us a great picture. The word for forgiven, um, the word for sin being covered, those words are really helpful in understanding what God has to do for us. Um, forgiven means to lift off, meaning there's a burden on top of you, a crushing weight, and God has to come along and lift that up off of you. The, the guilt the, the crushing suffering that's on you. The, he has to come and carry it off of you for you to find relief. Now, I told you we're renovating a house to fix her up, so check it out. I got some pictures for you. We've got a lot of stuff we're carrying into the house. That's a big board, 20-footer, 20, 20 I think. My father-in-law is bringing that one in. Um, but then there's certain things we can't carry. And so check this out. The delivery came from wherever. And, and the forklift guy was bringing the flooring into the garage. And so he's got this machine, right, that he just goes up to the truck bed and burp, burp, picks it up, carries it, and puts it down. God has to do that. He has to lift up all of your sins and carry them off of you. Or listen, they will crush you. They will crush you. Here's another picture. We have been working on the basement. The plumbers are making some progress. They are getting the basement all framed out, but it didn't start that way. Check it out. This is my plumber, and he's like in this pit because they had to dig down three feet to put a new pit in there because we're installing this bathroom. Boy, did they go at it. I mean, they had to just uh, get, they had to jackhammer the whole thing. They had to, and then when they were in there, they started finding things like boulders underneath the foundation. Do we have another picture or video for that one? I'm not sure if we do. I think that might be the only one. But they're in there, and they're sawing, and they're jackhammering, and they're digging. And so here's what they said. They're like, yeah, the foundation is extra thick. 
<laughs> and then they're like, and there's big rocks, boulders underneath the foundation. They were in there for like six hours. He's like, this is one of the hardest jobs that I've ever done. They carry these rocks all the way upstairs. Why? Because they're trying to install something to get the filth out of the house. This is a wonderful portrait of what forgiveness is. God's got to get down and he's got to pick up everything. He's got to drill through it, right? And get everything that's buried. And then he's got to get it out. And then he's got to have a way to get the filth out of your soul. It's like plumbing. It's like plumbing. This is what God wants to do inside of you. Forgiven. Forgiven. Are you forgiven? Are you forgiven? What an ordeal. Wow. Are you joyfully forgiven? Well, David was. He said, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. So it was lifted up and carried away and covered over and you, you don't see it anymore. This is God's promise. This is the gospel. Now, here's the thing. You can't be forgiven if you deny that you're sinful, right? So the Bible says that if you say you're without sin, the Bible calls you in 1 John a what? A liar, right? Pinocchio. I'm a pretty good person. I haven't sinned that much. Whoa, watch out. Your nose is getting bigger. The Bible flat out calls you a liar, right? And you're also calling God a liar. Because he says that you are sinful beyond repair. Jot this down. So don't deny your sin. You've got to echo what the scripture says here, that you have transgression and you need to be forgiven. Don't deny your sin. Many people who are here today or who are watching online assume that they are good enough to go to heaven and they have never even considered at any point in their life that maybe there is a place in hell waiting for them. They've never even thought that. That's called self-righteousness. And you're flat out calling God's word a lie. You're saying, well, that doesn't apply to me. It's the height of self-righteousness. But here's the thing. This psalm isn't really targeting those people. So if you're in that camp, I really hope you realize that you've been deceived. I really hope you realize now, before God, on the day of your judgment, rips up the whole foundation and pulls all the boulders up in your life and lays all the filth out for everyone to see and you will be standing there silently with nothing to say. I hope you see it now. But this psalm really isn't for you. This psalm is for people who kind of see it. They're like, yeah, I'm blowing it. I'm sinning. I know it. I know it. I'm, I'm caught. Like there's anguish there. So this is primarily a psalm for you. So don't deny your sin. You, you know what it's doing to you, right? And you know what it's doing to God. And here the Bible is like, don't deny that, right? Confess it. Confess it. Don't deny your sin. Let's talk about what sin is, because often people don't even believe in sin today. There's no such thing. David says the word sin five times in this psalm using three different vocabulary words. The word sin just means generally you've missed the mark. Uh, God has a bullseye. You were intended to hit it, and you were way off. You missed the moral mark for where God was aiming you. The word iniquity means guilt. You're, you're guilty. Uh, and the word transgression means crime or rebellion. So you've broken God's law. There's guilt before God and in your soul. And it's because you've missed God's will. Morally, today, our world teaches us that you can just believe whatever you want to believe, right? But that's not the way truth works. Truth is absolute. It's handed down from heaven. We are all under God's moral law. We've all broken it, and therefore we are sinful. 
Uh, and because of that, we can't deny it. We have to acknowledge that. How do we know we are sinful? Well, there's many ways. God's law, the Bible, gives us um, specific sins, the Ten Commandments. You know, so in our world, they will tell us when we broke the law, right? I won't, I won't tell you which of my children got a ticket, but one of my children went down to the city of Chicago um, and got a ticket, and then they mailed us the ticket in, in the mail, and then the dog ate part of the ticket. So, you know, the dog didn't eat the part of the ticket that told us how to pay it, so we can't go to the court and be like, my dog ate my ticket, right, unfortunately. But anyway, Cosmo really got to it. But man, they send you the violation, the picture of your vehicle. They, they send you, you know, you, your, the meter was expired. You shouldn't have parked here. Pay the fine, you know, of $70 or else. And you could go to court, you can contest it, but look, they've got cameras, okay? And God's word is kind of like, it's filled with the laws that we have broken. And boy, are there many. Imagine if every week God mailed you, uh, you know, when you've sinned, or at the end of the day, here's the record of all of your sins. You can sin by things that you think about, by things you say, by things you listen to. Uh, you can sin with your hands, you can sin with your mouth, you can sin with your feet. Relationally, you can sin going with people you have no business being with. There are many different ways you can sin. Imagine if at the end of the day, you got like a binder, right? All the thoughts, I mean all of it. And then at the week, your binder kind of became a few boxes. And then at the end of the month, you kind of had to put it in your garage. And at the end of the year, your garage was overflowing with a record of your debt all of the citations, and then imagine if you needed to get a little warehouse, and by the end of your life, imagine if it's like Costco, every shelf full of your sin. What are you going to do there? You're gonna, there's no whiteout, you see, and I told this to a woman in our church years ago, and she, she was kind of on the plan of like, oh yeah, I pray every night, and I was like, no, have you ever prayed to be saved? And she was like, well, I don't know what the difference is, and I told her about this, and I said, imagine at the end of your life, you've got the warehouse, and then she said it to me. She goes, so God wants to forgive my warehouse? I said, yes. And she goes, ah, she got saved. She got baptized because God forgave her warehouse. Hey, has God forgiven your warehouse? That's forgiveness. But are you willing to admit you have a warehouse? Many people are not willing to admit that. They're not willing to admit that at all. They think they just have a little fortune cookie worth of sin, just a little, just a little tiny oopsies and a little here, a little there. They won't admit that they're sinful. So God's word reveals us uh, our sin. Also, our conscience will show us our sin. The Holy Spirit, creation, acknowledges that there is a God. And then the community around us, society, will show us where we have sinned. But Christ really is the ultimate way to show us our sin because he came down to save sinners. We need a Savior. You know, there's, it's hilarious when you, when you Google the term Florida man because there's always a Florida man doing something crazy, right? But recently there was a Florida man who saved his puppy from an alligator. Check it out. He rescued his puppy. There it is, and my favorite part is he had a cigar in his mouth and he never dropped the cigar the whole time. That, that's impressive. That's impressive. Hey, are you a saved person? Has God pried you up out of the jaws of sin? That's how helpless you are. Jesus came to save sinners, to save sinners. Paul quotes this psalm in Romans 4, 6 to 8. Check it out. He says, just as David also speaks of the blessing 
of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. God is not reckoning your sins to you. So don't deny your sin, jot this down, and don't deceive yourself or others. Don't deceive yourself or others. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. He's gotten it all out. There's, there's, no, there's no deception. You're not fooling yourself. You're not fooling anybody else. He's really gotten to the heart of it, and he's pulled it up by the roots. You're not just faking it, right, to get mom off your back. You're not just paying lip service, right? You're actually transformed on the inside. Uh, don't deceive yourself or others because the problem will escalate. It will get much worse. When Lauren was younger, her brother, her younger brother, uh, at the time was a child, and uh, boys like to play with fire, but uh, her brother was in the house, and so he was wondering if a Kleenex was flammable. So I uh, had a lighter, and why not? Lit a Kleenex on fire, and guess what? It was. Uh, and so he threw it in the garbage can, and guess what else was in the garbage can? More flammables. Uh, so Nobody knew this was happening, and so he started going to the bathroom, and they had like the little Dixie cups on the wall, the little, you know, the tiny cups. And so he started filling them up and then going to put out the fire. Uh, and then he, after, you know, dad was in the bathroom, and after like the third time, he came in for a little Dixie cup full of water. He's like, what are you doing? Oh, there's a fire. What? <laughs> what? And dad ran in there to fix the problem, and surprisingly, Lauren's brother had a little bit of attitude, right? Well, what's the big deal? But dad had to put the fire out. This is kind of what happens if we deceive ourselves and we don't let God put the fire of sin out in our heart, right? We're just going to, you know, maybe this will do it. No, it's getting bigger. And then maybe we need help. We need help. So we can't deceive ourselves uh, or others. Here's what's cool. In this psalm, there are two people trying to cover over the sin. David said that he covered it up. And God says he wants to cover it up too. Isn't that awesome? But when David covered it up, what happened? Problem got worse. More sewage, more fire. David covering it equals bigger problem. When God shows up and he's like, hey, I can take care of that. When God covers it up, fire goes out, sewage goes away. Do you realize God wants the same thing you do? He wants to cover up your sin. I don't mean cover it up, meaning like, let's just not tell anyone this happened. He really wants to get rid of it so that this isn't hounding you anymore. He doesn't want this to be something you're dealing with. That's great news. So hey, number one, are you joyfully forgiven? Don't deceive yourself or others. Don't deny your sin. He goes on to say in verse 3, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. What does it feel like to not repent? Through my groaning all day long. Yikes, that's agonizing. That's agonizing if you deny it. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. This is God convicting his child. This needs to stop. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. It feels like you're going to the beach in a snowsuit. This is agony. I can't take it anymore. Hey, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel so miserable? Why can't I find any joy? God's hand is crushing you. Let me deal with this. Christian, let God deal with your sin. I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. You forgave the iniquity of my sin. Then David switches to kind of instruction mode here. He says, therefore, let everyone who is godly 
offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Number two, jot this down. Have you seen your peril and repented? Are you joyfully forgiven? And have you seen your peril and repented? He's not turning to us, right? David's giving us a model of a joyfully repented person. Then he's looking at us. Are you there? So it says, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Meaning, meaning there is a problem. You have to see it. You have to see it while there's still time. Here's a picture of a spooky horizon. You know, you're driving along and yikes. Okay, do we have wiper fluid? Uh, how, how are we doing on gas? Like that, if you're driving into that, you have to see your peril. Let everyone who is godly take care of the problem. Take care of the problem. And he's talking to people who know better. Maybe this is you. Maybe, maybe you know better than the sin that you're living in. Maybe you know better. You've been raised better. Your parents taught you right and wrong. You've learned a lot of this book and you're stuck in sin and you should know better. There's a lot of people who weren't given the upbringing you were given. They were not taught right from wrong. They weren't taught God's will, but you were. And, and maybe you know better than the way you're living right now. Have you seen your peril and repented? This is a call to repentance. Jot this down. Time is running out. Time is running out. Too often people think that they're getting away with it because God's okay with it. Well, nothing bad has happened yet. Watch out! Well, God must be okay with it because, uh-uh, you know better. And time is running out. Don't despise God's patience. He's being patient to lead you to repentance. Tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock, tick, tock, Time's up. The time is coming when God's patience will run out. Have you seen your peril and repented knowing that time is running out? Time is running out. There was a tsunami in Greenland, of all places, a few years ago because a great landslide came down. It's a very localized tsunami because it was created by land, not by an earthquake. So it rushed down, and because of it, it triggered this, this surge of water, this rising water, and uh, it, it, it swept through this small fishing town. The psalm gives us the idea of coming trouble being like a rising water. So let me read it, and then we'll see this. But it says here, Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. We're in danger of rising water. God needs to be the one to save us. So to get a feel for this imagery, check it out. This is the uh, village in Greenland. And boy, can you imagine living here? Oh, wow. It's so peaceful. And then the first wave comes in. She's just making breakfast. all the way up to the house. Okay, this is bad. This is only wave one, though. Over a six-minute period, they just had six minutes to respond, six waves would come. So if the first wave came in and they just stayed there and they're like, wow, that was bad, then here's the sixth wave. This is just, again, just like six minutes away from the first one. If they didn't get out of there, here's what would have happened. So that terrifying imagery, uh, if you're stuck in sin and you're 
not repenting, that's coming. Okay? Okay, that's coming. All right, just making your breakfast six minutes away. That's coming. It says, Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. The rush of great waters here could be the trouble of life that comes to sweep you away and you're just not in a good place with God and so you get taken out. It could be God, God's judgment coming. The, the waters of God's wrath, often depicted as God's wrath, coming and sweeping away everything that you have built. God wants to be the hiding place for you. He's telling you to run to him. Run to him. He will preserve you from trouble. He will surround you with shouts of deliverance. Time is running out. Have you seen your peril and repented? Time is running out. Jot this down. God will deliver you from terrible consequences. God will deliver you from terrible consequences. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Whether you are facing the troubles of life without God, trouble is coming. And the worst trouble is when you leave this life unrepentant. And if, if this world sweeps you away, and by the way, you could be there before, you hit your, before your head hits the pillow tonight. If you are swept off into the next life, that's the worst thing that can happen. You leave this life for good, you enter eternity, and there will be eternal conscious torment because you have not repented. Hey, what are you waiting for? Time is running out. Have you invited God to forgive all of your sins? Have you repented? Have you said sorry to God? Have you turned around? Have you told him, I'm done with this? I'm done with this? I'm yours? I'm all yours? The flood is coming. There's no escape. Number one, are you joyfully forgiven? Number two, have you seen your peril and repented? Number three, jot this down, are you committed to following God's will? Are you committed to following God's will? So it says in verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. Rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. In verse 8, it This could either be David saying, I will instruct you, meaning as a repentant, forgiven person, he's going to now teach us how it's done. It's more likely that this is God who speaks momentarily in this psalm. Uh, So as a song, this would be a different voice, you know, God's voice. I will instruct you, teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule. God's saying this without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked. So God himself is now beckoning with us, likely, here. And what is he saying? Are you committed? Are you, are you committed to following me? There's instruction, right? Don't, don't do this. Do that. The book of Proverbs, the, the Beatitudes, there's all sorts of, hey, stay on the path, follow the word of God. That is the trail. Don't get off of that. Are, are you committed to following God's will? Or are you like a stubborn animal, verse 9? Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle. You know, the bit is they they have to shove something in the horse's mouth, right? And then the bridle is you pull on it and you yank the horse's head. Go this way. Go that way, right? 
Lauren and I were at Silver Birch Ranch several years ago. And how many of you have been to Silver Birch Ranch family camp? So, uh, so they've got like the stables and you can go on a horseback ride every day if you want to. A little trail ride. And so Lauren got on a horse named Delilah. It's a bad omen. Delilah. And Delilah apparently didn't like to stay on the trail, which is probably why they named her Delilah. And so we were out on the trail, and Delilah liked what she saw, looked down and started grabbing a tree branch here and a weed here, and Lauren was kind of nice. No, no, Delilah, but wasn't firm, right? Didn't give her a swift kick. And so what happened was Delilah spotted a weed she wanted real bad, only it was in the middle of the forest. So Delilah just turned a hard left and started walking into the forest. And there's like tree branches there. So Lauren is now ducking to try to not get knocked off the horse while the horse is just totally leaving the trail. And she's like, ah, somebody help. And then Delilah found whatever she wanted and yanked this huge like mini tree branch out of the ground and then pulled it back onto the trail, right, to show the other horses what she got. <laughs> this horse wouldn't, wouldn't follow direction. And the Bible is using, you've had interactions, right, with animals, with your dog, whatever, where the dog doesn't want to do what you want it to do, right? And the Bible is like, don't do that. Don't be that. Don't be stubborn. Don't walk away from God. And hey, this applies to everyone, you know, adults. Hey, we shouldn't be childish to God. We shouldn't be like, do I have to? You know, like we shouldn't stiffen up when God gives us something that he expects of us. We shouldn't be stubborn. This applies to children as well. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, right? This is a promise with a blessing. And children shouldn't just do what they have to do because they have to, or only when they're forced to, right? And teenagers and even college students and young adults, you know, you're uh, trekking out into the adult world. And what does that mean? The world will tell you that being an adult means you could act like, more like a child now than ever before and be reckless and irresponsible and worldly. And That's not what it means to grow up. That's not what it means to act like an adult. The Bible comes along and says you should delight yourself in the Lord. You should do what the Lord said. That's what it means to be mature and grown up and adult, to say nobody's got to force me anymore to go to church. Nobody's got to force me anymore to read my Bible or to sing praise to him. I'm not sitting there waiting for somebody to push my face in my Bible. That's childish. That's stubborn. I'm going to commit to following the Lord. Jot this down. Choosing to sin will lead to suffering. Choosing to sin equals choosing to suffer. Why would I commit to following the godly path? Because if you don't, many sorrows will come. Many are the sorrows of the wicked. It's so important to understand this. When we get off the path and go after some sin, it's because we've believed a lie, that there's something happy for us there, that we're either going to become more secure or more satisfied safer or happier, and sin is going to get us there. And listen, it's always a lie. Every time it's a lie. We have to believe the lie first that I'm not going to get in trouble, and I'm actually going to be happy, and, and life will be better if I follow the sinful path. Yeah, maybe for a while, but if we don't uproot that lie, we're going to keep doing it. Choosing to sin means choosing to suffer. When God says don't, he means don't hurt yourself. Fences are there to keep us back from traffic. Don't resent when God puts up boundaries. He's not holding you back from the good life. He's not a God who, if you ask for bread, he'll give you a rock or a snake or a scorpion. He's not that kind of father. He's protecting you, listen, from many, many, many 
sorrows. So commit to him. Commit to him. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Are you choosing to trust God? Or like the fool mentioned in the New Testament, are you building your house on the sand? Oh, you might build a beautiful house, four stories, right? All the greatest in-style decorations, right? You could, you could fill it with the furnishings from all around the world. You can build a life that's pretty impressive, but it's on the sand, meaning you're not building on God's will. And when the winds pick up and the waves ride, it will be swept away. So let's head back to Greenland. Let's see what happened. As these people, thankfully, got out of their houses, check it out. Here's what happened in Greenland when the tsunami came and the wave rose up. Their houses are just, this guy's running. Look at him. Look at the houses. They're getting out of there. That right there is such a great illustration of what's happening. You see the graveyard there? See that graveyard there? It's like this person got out. The water was coming, right? This is a picture of like sin, living in sin. They got out. They ran. The judgment was coming. They ran straight through a graveyard. It would have led to death, right? And now they're like, get out. They're yelling to each other. Come on, get out. Come on. And this little guy, you know, he needed to be running faster. Am I right? Like he cut that way too close. Way too, if your house is chasing you, you run as fast as you can. And that's what I'm saying here. You've got to run as fast as you can away from this stuff. Wow. Are you committed to following God's will? Choosing to sin is choosing to suffer. But here's the great news. Jot this down. His word is the way to divine blessing. His word is the way to divine blessing. I will instruct you, verse 8 says, and teach you in the way you should go. He's going to keep you away from danger. I'll counsel you with my eye upon you. He's going to watch over you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. You're going to be surrounded by his love. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice. This is going to fire you up, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. So many people think that following God is, all my fun's going to go away. I'm just going to have no fun. I'm going to be around people who have no fun. This is going to be the most boring life in the world. No. God's will is the way to joy. Forgiveness and repentance is the way to joy. This is great news. Have you decided once and for all, God is for me, his way is best, the world is lying to me, Satan is devouring me. Have you even felt in your life ever, I'm ruined, mind, body, heart, soul, crushed by sin. Have you said, I'm done living this way, I'm following Jesus. If you've been a Christian and you've been caught up in sin, and the filth is spewing out, and you can't contain it anymore. Are you ready to say, I'm done with this, I'm done with this, I'm done with this, and to find the joy that comes when you repent? David is beckoning you. God is beckoning you. I'm beckoning you. It really is as simple as colors, right? Right, this is what you start with. This is, this is sin, and... I dropped it. And the sin is not where God wants you to stay. 
So this becomes this becomes this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for confronting our sin. Lord, thank you for giving us a way out, a way of escape. Jesus, thank you for coming down to save sinners like us, like me. Thank you for your mercy, Father. Thank you for your love, steadfast love that surrounds us. Thank you for the warning of what comes when we don't repent, for telling us in advance of the peril that we will face. And Lord, I'm sure that there are people here today, maybe for the first time, they need to repent of all their sins. They've never once told you that, that you're right, that they are beyond hope, that they need to be fully forgiven and rescued from the jaws of sin, that they need all of their sins to be washed away so that they can become white as snow. They've never said that to you. They've never asked for your forgiveness, and maybe right now they need to ask you to forgive them. Maybe, oh Lord, they have a long history with you and they've just wandered away. Maybe they're in a bad place. <clears throat> There's something, Lord, or maybe many things that show that their heart has just gone astray. Whatever it is, I just want to give a moment now for people to repent in the quiet of their own heart, to say sorry to you for their sin, to ask for forgiveness. Right now, you can repent to God in your own heart.
Jesus, hear the prayers of your people. Fill us with the joy of forgiveness. Wash all of our sins away by your blood. We ask this in your name. Amen.